Well, good morning, everybody. That was wonderful. Uh, never underestimate being able to just worship in the presence of God. I've been studying, uh, not the last month here, but a few months prior to that, just uh, on different things. But one of them was actually like holy ground. And just interesting how now in the kingdom of God, we, everywhere we walk, we are holy ground. Like literally, after Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Ghost came to us, that there was no longer sections on the earth that were in control of different spirits and different things, that everywhere we went, we were holy ground and brought the kingdom of God. And, you know, and then that's personally. And then when we gather, you know, where two or three agree, we just make that spot holy ground. <laughs> and so this morning, this is just some seriously holy ground right here. And I just, just partake. The heavens are open. That's just the way it is. And uh, we belong to him. I want to open up a scripture today in Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 9 to 11, that says this. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into the heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Last week, we looked at the section of time that a lot of times we don't look at. And a lot of times coming into Easter, I always share that it's just so difficult for me to preach because that Passion Week, that week coming into to Easter, there's just so much to talk about. Um, and then we get into Easter and it's the resurrection and we get onto other things. But we rarely talk about what happened after the resurrection before he ascended into the heavens. And so last week we looked at a portion of that. I mean, it was lots that went on there, but he showed himself for 40 days to people in his glorified body, went around doing things before the ascension. And so the reason for this appearing to all these people was several reasons, but one was to simply show that he had risen. We looked at scripture last week where the government actually paid people to lie and say that Jesus was stolen in the middle of the night, that corruption has been going on since day one in government. And they didn't want anybody to think that Jesus had risen. So they paid people to say that he was stolen. And so one of the reasons why Jesus stuck around for 40 years was just a simple fact, because you can't deny him walking around. And he was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people in his glorified, resurrected body. He had shown that he had been risen. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says this, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. So some scholars say he was seen by thousands, but at this particular point, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some had fallen asleep. So when Paul was talking to the church of Corinth, he was saying, and he was preaching, he was preaching Jesus raised from the dead. But the crazy thing is, just imagine this, he's preaching to the Corinth church and or he's sending letters to them and they're preaching out of the letters to the Corinthians church. And he's saying, Jesus was seen by over 500 people. Some of you who are still here, sitting in the congregation, they would have talked and spoke with the resurrected Jesus, which is such an amazing, amazing thing. And so that's one of the reasons, so that he would prove to people that he had been risen. Um, there's historical interviews. Two generations after Jesus was raised from the dead, there was this fellow that I can hardly pronounce his name, Eusebius, who two generations later went back and interviewed people around the area. And there was many people who had not seen him, but who had known people or their parents or grandparents who had shared the stories of Jesus walking around after the resurrection. And it's good for us to just 
stop and think about that because we put it in such super spiritual manners, but there was actually just two generations later, a guy shows up and says, hey, who you saw Jesus after he was raised? And there was a bunch of people around, not me, but you know what? I remember grandpa saying that he saw him down at the, at the market there. And, and I saw Aunt Judy there over there, saw him over here. It was real. Jesus rose from the grave and walked around in bodily form, eating, drinking with the people. Absolutely phenomenal. And so he was raised from the dead. He showed himself to thousands of people, 500 at one time, in his resurrected body to show that he had been risen. But not only to show that he'd been risen, he also spent 40 days teaching people and preparing them about the kingdom of God and telling them about the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16, 14 to 18 says this, Later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And so he's like rebuking their unbelief. He's like, I've shown myself to, to people and they told you, the women came and told you that I was alive and you didn't believe them. And he was, he rebuked their unbelief because he had talked about his resurrection. So he rebuked them for not believing after he had heard after he was risen. And he said to them, now you, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. So Jesus showed up in his resurrected body and he's like, I'm alive, I'm not in the grave. This is my body, have a drink with me. Put your fingers in the holes of my hands. I'm alive, I'm around and I'm showing myself to people. Now he said, this is the deal. This is what it's all for. Go into the world and preach that I have risen. Preach the good news that they hung me on a cross and they thought they were gonna put me away for good, but little did they know that I was taking the sins of the world down to the bowels of the earth to raise again to the right hand of the Father. Go and share that Jesus has risen from the dead. And he's saying, not only that, but I'm gonna give you power to go and your words are gonna have power and you're gonna lay hands on the sick and you're gonna speak with new tongue. And if any serpent bites you, it by no means hurts you. They were walking in the power of the Holy Ghost, the same Holy Ghost that's filling the room right here, right now, filling our bodies, living on the inside of us is what Jesus was telling them to walk in. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there's no junior Holy Ghost and senior Holy Ghost. We don't have the junior Holy Ghost here and they got the senior Holy Ghost. We didn't get little junior. He's the same. He's the same always, yesterday, today, and forever. So the same power, the Bible says, that rose Jesus from the dead will make alive our mortal bodies. Now, I know we have seasons, and I know God takes us through seasons, and I know all of that, and, and, and I know that sometimes we see great things on the earth, and sometimes not so great things on the earth. It doesn't matter. We're supposed to walk in faith, and his words and his powers always exist, and people will always come to Christ, and I know we're going to have seasons of the power of God. We see it through history. We see it, but our covetousness, or what we should be coveting and craving for is the understanding that no matter what we do, we do it in the power of the gospel, of the power of Jesus Christ, of the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't have time to stop there, but that, that great commission is just so cool. It talks about the power of the speaking tongues. It talks about laying hands on the sick. We're supposed to still pray for people. We didn't get the junior Holy Ghost. We're supposed to still pray for people. We're supposed to believe that God is going to heal their bodies. That's part of what we do to walk in faith. 
And then we're supposed to be able to pick up deadly serpents and it not hurt us. Now, what does it mean? It's not like, no, I'm sure you've seen TV shows where they purposely pick up serpents and they let the serpents bite them and they're going to say the power of God is going to save them. That's not taking the whole counsel of God into consideration. We see where people are protected by serpents in the Bible. And it's not by them picking up and saying, see and bite my neck. Paul was on an island and he was lighting a fire and boom, a serpent came out and nailed him. He didn't go looking for it. The serpent went looking for him. And so the serpent nailed him and everybody was freaking out because there was a bad serpent. It was a bad snake and he was going to die. But Paul just kept preaching the gospel. Nothing happened to him. He didn't get sick. Nothing happened to him. And they were having a heyday and tried to make him God because of it. But that just goes to show you, we have to take the whole counsel of God. We should expect for God to protect us. But like when the devil took Jesus up and said, jump off, God will save you. Jesus says, I will not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, if he accidentally fell, his angels would have scooped him. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. There's a big difference. We walk our way being led by the Holy Ghost, not going places and then saying, God, you have to bless me. You have to do what I tell you to do. No, we're led, we're walking, we're going, trying to follow the Spirit of God. But we go in the power of God. So he was teaching the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says it this way. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I love this scripture because it kind of distinguishes between a believer and a disciple. We're supposed to go and preach the gospel and say Jesus had risen. And many people should be coming to Christ. You know, our camp ministry does a lot of that. It's like bringing, just introducing people to God. But there's a difference between bringing people to Christ and discipling. And Jesus wants us to do more than bring people to Christ. He wants us to disciple where we have the opportunity to do so. All is important. Paul says, I sowed seed, somebody else watered, somebody else brought the harvest. All is important. But as Christians, we want to go farther than just coming to Christ. We want to be disciples. And what distinguishes a disciple is right there. It says that disciples will observe all things that I have commanded. See, we even see in this time in this era where Christians are doing all sorts of things to me that seems so like some pockets of Christians, so contrary to the word of God. And it's all in the name of kind of love and acceptance. But if you truly love someone, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, if you love some, you will, you, will, you will do anything to stop that sheep from going to slaughter, to ruining their lives, to getting farther away from God. That's true love. Now you can love the person, but love also says, hey, this is what the word says. This is what God wants because he wants the best for you. And that's what really discipling is, is when we get people around you. God loves you, accepts you as you are. Come, come into him, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He's going to give you rest. Come receive him. But now that you have and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, God's got a plan for your life. And here's the manual. Here's the manual how to walk it out. This is what God wants you to, to do. This is how God wants you to be in family and relationships. And it's got everything in that manual. It really does. How we're to deal with money. How we're to view money. All sorts of things. That's what being a disciple is. We can know God, but God wants us to walk with him and be a disciple of him. So he came back to show everybody that he had been risen from the dead and to share and prepare and teach them about the kingdom of God, that we would be filled with the spirit of God, that we would walk, and the great commission that we are to tell everybody 
that Jesus died for their sins and rose again from the grave and then to make disciples. So the 40 days that was taking place, and then in Acts chapter 1, which we, we looked at, we're going to read a little bit more of it now, is when Christ ascends into the heavens. And it says this, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards the heavens, he went up and behold, two men stood by them in a white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing? up into the heavens. This same Jesus who was taken up from you in the heavens will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And so he spent 40 days, 40 nights showing himself to many, many people, preaching the kingdom of God, showing people he had risen and preparing them and telling them to go into the great commission. So he told them while he was alive there that they were to go and preach and teach and make disciples. But before he went up into the heavens, he says, listen, I'm not just going to tell you to do that. I'm going to empower you to do that. I'm not just going to tell you to go out in your own strength. You've walked with me now for three and a half years and, and you've followed me and I've shown you many things. He says, so I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm not just going to leave you alone and tell you to do it on your own. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. For John, baptized with water, but I'm going to send someone and baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so he was exalted into the heavens. And so that's what happened at the ascension. One of the things we need to understand that at the ascension, the Father exalted Jesus to his right hand in heaven, which is so very important theologically, that Jesus went to the grave, but when he ascended, he rose into power at the right hand of the Father. Now, I'm going to show you why that's so powerful and why we need to know that. Ephesians 1, 18 to 23, and I use this scripture a lot throughout the year, but Paul says he wishes that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, listen to this, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. This has been done. Let's move on. Far above principalities, powers, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this age, now, not only now, but also in that which is to come. Now, I want to stop there for a second, because a lot of times people say, yeah, I understand that in the time to come. But no, he did this now, in this age, and also in the time which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. 
The Father put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So everything was put under the feet of Jesus. Who is the body of Christ? Who is the fullness of Christ? We are. That's what the Bible says right there. Over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. So Jesus went up to the right hand of the Father, but he sent the Holy Ghost to make us his body, his church, his body, his body. We are with him. Where are we? Seated in heavenly places, far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that is named. Who is the fullness of Christ? We are. We need to get out of our little humble spots here and out of our thinking that we can do nothing on this earth. We are the fullness of Christ. And if we are his body and we are his church and we are his fullness and all those things are under his feet, all those things are under our feet because we are his feet, right? We are a, not a powerful entity on the earth. We are the most powerful entity that walks the earth. We are the most powerful thing that walks the earth. We are the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Christ, walking in the power of Christ. Ephesians 2.6 says this, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I just want you to just pause and think for a second. Father, this is how we usually think. Father, Son, us. It's not even Father, Son, us. It's Father, Son, and us. Or Father, Son, and us. There's no downstep from that either. Father, Son, and us. We're not God, but we're in God. We're in Christ. Seated in heavenly places. And not just in any place. In Christ. Far above principalities, powers, might to mean every name that is named. I don't care what's hounding you or me. We're above it. I don't care what's trying to take you out. I don't care what's trying to mess with your head. I don't care what's trying to kill your body, your mind, your spirit. I don't care what's going on. We're above it because we're in Christ. We are the fullness of Christ on this earth. What Jesus was saying was saying, listen, I'm ascending. I'm going to go, but the Holy Ghost is going to come to you. And now you're going to be my body. So you walked around with me and you saw me do magnificent scene things. And once in a while, I set you out with my power and you were amazed at the power you had when you were with me. But he says, something better is going to happen. I'm going to come and you're going to become my body and you're going to walk the earth. You are going to be the fullness of me. That's what he said. That's the scripture. We are walking around the fullness of Christ. And my goodness, sometimes I need to give myself a whack in the head for the things that I do, the things that I think. I'm the fullness. I'm part of the fullness of Christ. You and I are the fullness of Christ. And we walk around this earth like, woe is me, thinking everything's sitting and resting on us and weighing us down. No, everything's under our feet. It's just a mind click. And that's why Paul said in, the, in that book of Ephesians in chapter one, he says, please, God, give them the spirit of revelation that they would understand this. And I need to pray for that more for myself, for you guys, for everybody. I need to pray that we have that enlightenment, that wisdom, that understanding that the eyes of our heart, Paul said, would be open, that we would understand that he was raised and so were we and the fullness of Christ is us. <laughs> so that's why it's the hope of his calling. That's why it's the hope. That's why it's the hope of his calling. That's why it's his inheritance. And that's why it's his power because we are the fullness of Christ. So good. <laughs> So he is exalted in all authority with us. 
to the right hand of the Father. Where he goes, we go. That's it. Where he goes, we go. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So are we. So are we. Now there's a big stipulation. We're there in him. (laughs) But if we're in him, understand, we're there. Ah, he's so good, isn't he? I just feel just a sense of this happening again. God wanted to empower his church to the realization of who they are. So he came and he, he showed that he was risen and that he was showed again as he ascended into the heavens that he was risen to the right hand of all authority and that we were with him. And then he said, listen, you're not going to do it alone. It's going to be through the Holy Ghost. You can't be seated with me without the Holy Ghost. You can't do anything. The Bible says I can do nothing without Christ. We are just the branch of the vine. But if we're engrafted into that vine as the branch, all things are possible. So he sent the Holy Ghost. Acts 1, 4 to 5, he said this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly was baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That they were to wait and tarry for the Holy Ghost come so that they could be empowered to go out and do everything that he was teaching them that they needed to do from that moment forward. Luke 24, 49 to 53 said it this way, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into the heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And then we know in Acts chapter two that the Holy Ghost came and the the next part of God's plan was in motion that those who would call upon the name of the Lord were not only accepted and baptized into Christ, but could be filled with the spirit of God. So showed himself, sent him alive, taught the kingdom of God, taught the resurrection send it into heaven, sent the Holy Ghost so that they would be empowered to do it. That's why I always say that when we're sharing the gospel, quit trying to convince people. Their heads are stuck in the world. You can't convince someone to Christ. His spirit bears witness with our spirit, the Bible says. There's a conversation that goes on this way while we're trying to beat the head. All we have to do is speak the wonderful words in our Bible, the very essence and the very word of God himself. And a conversation will go on with that person's spirit that we might not even be able to see or understand. And he might walk away mad. Too late. His spirit's been spoken to. He's going to have to deal with that because the Bible says my words are spirit and they are life. So you, he might walk away out of your hearing presence, but something alive just attached to him. <laughs> That's so good. Where am I? Oh, was I? Did I do Luke already? Yes. And so sent the Holy Ghost. And then he said, you go out and you preach the gospel and God's going to be long suffering and he's going to wait for people to come to him. And we're going to have a massive harvest. And when you speak, people are going to be impacted and you're going to walk in the power and you're going to be different than other human beings because you walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. And he says, you're going to do this for, says, I can't tell you how long, but you're going to do this for a while. It's not for you to know the seasons. It's not for you to know what's going on, but I'm going to come back. And as he went into heaven, the coolest thing, the angels say in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, 
who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a like manner. So a lot of people think that that was just prophetic of the Holy Ghost. But most scholars say that like manner meant in the same way that he went up in bodily form, he was saying, I'm coming back in bodily form. So he sent his Holy Ghost and he's with us and empowering us and setting up his kingdom. And then one day, none of us really know how this thing's going to unfold per- perfectly. We all take guesses and stabs at it. But the fact is, he's setting up his kingdom and he's going to return to his kingdom. <laughs> and he's going to run his kingdom. And we're going to be a part of that kingdom. We already are a part of that kingdom. And so that's just so cool. That's what took place after he rose from the dead until he went into the heavens. That is so powerful. And I don't know why I've not preached more on those 40 days before, um, you know, I've touched it. But there's just so much there and so much more there yet. Father, in the name of Almighty God, as Paul prayed for his church, God, we ask you that our spirit would be enlightened, that the eyes of our heart would be opened, that we would know the hope of your calling, that we would know your inheritance in the saints, and the working of your mighty power towards us. The same power you worked in Jesus when you rose him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that is named, to your right hand, and you made him head over all things, which is the church, the fullness of Christ who fills all in all. Father, help us to see that we are his body and we are the fullness of Christ on this earth. The body of Jesus is the church and we are the fullness of of him on this earth. God, help us to walk like that. Help us to see it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who's empowering us. I pray, God, from this moment forward, this moment forward, God, that we will be much more effective in seeing the kingdom advance in our sphere, where we go, where we walk, where we make things holy ground. From this moment forward, God, may we see an uptick, an increase, because we're stepping out just in faith, believing that we are the fullness of you on this earth. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen.